0: If you feel passionate about helping women to step into their power and speak their truth and come together in community in a supportive healthy way, you're going to love this conversation with Emmy Mutali, who is a womb awakening shamama and teacher and she's dedicated to reawakening ancient feminine wisdom. She's a human rights activist as well as someone who helps each woman to step into their power. Join us to find out about Emmy's work. Sonata. Show, the Soul Nectar Show, you're invited, delighted, to discover who you are, anything is possible if you believe, to join us on this beautiful journey, Soul Nectar Show, Soul Nectar Show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and share our stories of connection to that, which is bigger than us, the big mystery, beyond the veil, the divine symphony that we are all a part of. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love to have these conversations, which is why I have them week after week and share them with you, just to open up a new potential. There's something beautiful about realization that it unlocks a whole new level of um, idea, you know, another pathway to follow. It can sometimes be a complete reversal of what you originally thought, which leads you down a whole other pathway that's way more beneficial. And just the process of getting those realizations feels pretty awesome. Those aha moments, the light bulb over your head. And I love to have conversations that have lots of those things, those things called realizations. And today I have a beautiful guest on who I'm sure is going to bring us some realization, Emmy Mutali. Welcome, Emmy.
1: Thank you so much, Carrie. It's a blessing to be here with you.
0: So, Emmy is an intuitive healer, an energy medicine practitioner, and a womb awakening shamama and teacher dedicated to reawakening ancient feminine wisdom. And she facilitates deeply transformational healing processes for women of all ages around the world, holding a safe, protective space for the emergence of authentic connection profound knowing, and inner power. She's also the host of a podcast called Sacred Feminine Power, which I've been on, and I'll definitely put a link in the show notes to that if you want to listen to our episode shared together on Sacred Feminine Power. And she is the head of joy at House of Gaia, a healing and transformation center dedicated to feminine wisdom in Zambia, which is like so cool. So um, she's got a master's in human rights and over 20 years experience working in the field of women's and children's rights. And she continues to support organizations aimed at eradicating injustice, particularly in South Africa, Southern Africa. So um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I Emmy. Mean, there's just so, so much we could dive into. I'm curious to get us started. If you could share a story of how you what was your pathway, you know, in a synopsis of getting to the place where you are today? Why did you even choose to, to be where you are and do what you do?
1: Sure, absolutely. So ever since I was a little child, I've been drawn to the healing arts and I've been fascinated by shamanic cultures and, and by indigenous cultures. And pretty early on in life, in my teenage years, I started meditating and I started really becoming really intrigued by Eastern philosophy and started studying that. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I was studying various healing and transformation modalities, which I absolutely loved. But at the same time, I had this huge passion for human rights and for women's rights as well and kind of ended up veering on a career path that took me to different parts of the world, including Zambia. Uh, And I was working on women's and child rights uh, with various organizations from the UN to international and local NGOs or non-governmental organizations, as well as the bilateral scene, which is all about the governmental support to to other governments in the so-called third world. And, As I started building my career, I was quite ambitious. I wanted to progress quickly and get to higher and higher positions and have more and more responsible um, tasks and responsibilities. The healing and the transformation path kind of started to take a little bit of a back burner role in that. And what that also meant that although I was in many ways living and leading my dream life, working in the field that I wanted to living in amazing countries and working for organizations that I had really been dreamt of working for, I also was leading my life from a very masculine side. What that meant in practice is that I was pushing myself. My ambition was really pushing myself really, really hard. So I was doing very long hours at work. I had two small babies at home. My kids are about a year apart in age. Uh, Just a little bit over a year apart in age. Um, And at this time, when I was really focused on building my career, they were very small. They were both under two years old. So I was fully focused on my job, working super long hours, um, and then coming home to two small kids who, of course, wanted my attention as well. And I'm not going to even mention my husband in this (laughs) picture at this point. And it got to a point where I became so tired, so exhausted that I kind of went on a numb mode and I was just kind of existing from one day to another. I still absolutely loved my job and I was really pushing myself hard to excel at work, which I was, but then at home, I was starting to become a wreck and I was starting to really snap at my kids much more often, get super impatient with my husband as well. And my body was starting to feel increasingly tired, but I kept on pushing that aside. I kept on pushing aside the tiredness. I kept on pushing aside the um, the pain that I started to feel in my body as well, um, as well as the emotional toll that this crazy schedule and this crazy focus on, on trying to strive in my career was really putting on, on me as well. And it got to a point where one day I literally found myself sitting in a heap in my bathroom, uh, on my bathroom floor. I had just yelled at my kids, cursed at my husband, told them to go away. And I was absolutely ready at that point just to leave this world. I did not want to go on. It was um, a bit of a desperate moment at that point. And yet at the same time, in that most darkest moment, I felt some stirring deep inside some sort of a spark or a seed I don't know what exactly it was but this knowing that I was going to be okay I didn't know how but I somehow knew that I was going to be okay and that was in many ways a turning point for me and I started to get back to my healing and transformation work initially as a student initially putting into practice what I had learned before to heal and then once my cup was full enough I then started to support um, others as well, Um, predominantly women, but also men sometimes to really heal from trauma and wounding that they're carrying, let go of fear, let go of anxiety and really connect with their innate feminine wisdom. And this again could be men and women and step into their sacred feminine power on many levels.
0: Such a beautiful uh, description of a journey that sounds so familiar to me. Yeah, that total breakdown to breakthrough. And that Mm -hmm. stirring, I love that you talked about it that way that stirring that you felt inside, that there was something there that started waking up inside of you. And Mm -hmm. that it helped you to move into another pathway in your life. Um, You know, so these dark moments, I feel, in our lives are not necessarily, um, you know, we call them the shadows, right? We call them the, those crunchy shadows, those dense areas in our lives where we get stuck in that negative spiral, or, you know, we're creating these circumstances out of stress or out of the shadows of our consciousness. Um, they're not a problem, actually, though, right? I mean, they're like the way through. I mean, this is what I found. And I wonder what you've also discovered about the shadows in your life.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, I work a lot with deep, deep trauma and I work a lot with wounding. And for me, the wounding is the gateway. It's the gateway to healing. It's the gateway to amazing, beautiful realizations and insights. And it is the gateway to gifts, because it is those gifts that we start to discover within that darkness, within those shadows, that really can show us the true way forward, that often lead us to our true essence. And Working with shadows. I mean, we all have shadow and light inside of ourselves. And it's not about pushing away the shadow. It's about acknowledging it. It's about integrating it. And it's about working it in a beautiful dance that then balances out within you and all around you once you start to work with that shadow. And um, yeah.
0: It's really fascinating because the work that you've been doing is in like social justice as well as healing is an interesting balance. I've noticed mm-hmm. in the conversation about injustice that, um, you know, there can be elements of not wanting to let go of the history because it's it's unjust. And so it's almost like not wanting to let go of that because then then maybe the injustice just never gets punished or something right mm-hmm. and and i know that in my line of work on an individual level that that would be the matrix of the victim consciousness the victim rescuer perpetrator where we're trying to change external situations or we're trying to change the people outside that are perpetrating rather than like going okay well this is this is for me to claim my power inside mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that, because it's a delicate topic because of some of the things that are up in the space in the world today, in the conversation yeah. we have in the world today. Um, what are your insights on that?
1: Well, I would really relate it to the topic of forgiveness and realizing that no matter how you have been hurt, no matter what kind of harm or injustice has been done to you or against you. As long as you don't manage to move into that space of forgiveness, you are holding on to an energy that in the long run is only going to harm you. It is not going to harm the people who hurt you. It is not going to harm the perpetrator. It is only going to start accumulating inside you and turn into this emotional charge and accumulate inside yourselves. And over time, it could turn into illness or disease. It could affect uh, your relationships. Um, It it would have ripple effects uh, in all aspects of your life. And when I look at social justice or social injustice, I equate it with that. Whilst at the same time, fully acknowledging, fully witnessing what has actually been done, what has actually happened. Because forgiving doesn't mean that we are condoning what happened because absolutely it wasn't right. And we need to shout that from the rooftops that it wasn't right. But at the same time, being able to release that from our system to heal that sense of injustice so that we don't get stuck in that victimhood is absolutely crucial to our own transformation, to our own healing, to us being able to move forward in a way that feels aligned and integrated. And it's also supportive to you and people around you.
0: Yeah, I love that, um, Not forgiving is not condoning. Um, and forgiving doesn't mean not sharing the message. So it's like, it is a fine line because as you want to invite people to the conversation that this was, that the way that these things have happened, socially unjust things, you know, is we we would rather not keep doing that, like we'd rather change ourselves and, and show up in a more beneficial way, more egalitarian way, honoring, respecting life. And we want to show up in that way. And if we want to show up in that way, you know, we have some homework to do mm-hmm. with the past, because the past isn't really done until the person decides that it it's done. And mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like um, it, this happens at a at a family level. It happens at a global level. So there, it's all the places. It happens inside of you. It happens in your family. It happens in the global. So it's like it's the same dynamic. It's just that when there's so much more energy with it, with so many more people engaged in it, it's harder to unlock it and put it to rest. You know transform it into gold and and make choices from it because on a personal level it's easier right like you can go inside and you can say oh i made these mistakes or this person i had this relationship there was some injustice here what was what was my relationship to it you can explore it on an individual level and then when you're done you can leave the classroom and maybe that person stays in that class the rest of their life and five more lifetimes but at least you've resolved it for yourself and I think that it's it's like rippling that out, it gets more complex the more people are involved in that conversation.
1: Absolutely, it does. But then again, the more of us do the work at an individual level and the more of us go within, the more ripple effects that we'll also have. But absolutely, if we're talking about social justice at an, at a national scale or amongst a specific group of people, for example, then I think we need to be calling in for conversations that are bringing light to what has happened from a compassionate perspective and with the underlying message that we are truly trying to change things that we are trying to go towards the light and i think that's where the current paradigm shift that we're experiencing on a global scale in terms of the divine feminine rising or more feminine styles of leadership coming more and more to the core and to the forefront is really going to be showing us the way And that's potentially why we are seeing a lot of the events that are happening in our world at the moment as well. I think we're seeing a massive clash at the moment in terms of the traditional powers that be, wanting to hold on to their power with their teeth, with their fingertips, with their nails. And at the same time, this beautiful wave of, of feminine wisdom, deep ancient feminine wisdom. That, again, doesn't ex- exclude the masculine at all, but wants to see more balance and harmony between the two and wants to bring in a more compassionate, more loving, more love-rooted way of approaching things.
0: So, and I noticed that in your your own life and in your own work, you were involved in social justice and you were doing it, and you, you said a more masculine way, which I imagine is, i want to hear more about what that looks like but i'm imagining i'm i'm thinking about this uh something that my mentor george always says you know george and tracy say um when when you have ego to ego it's like this you know so if you're operating Mm -hmm. at ego it's like trying to explain something to somebody that's entrenched in their position it's like it's just Mm -hmm. a fight but at the feminine level with the healing level with the frequencies and the personal inner dive knowing that like with rumi says you know you're not the drop in the ocean you're the whole ocean in a drop so whatever you see out there you can heal within you and it changes the dynamic that's like the healing way right so talk about like what are your realizations between the masculine approach and the feminine approach and what seems to work better now.
1: Mm. Well, for me, at a very personal level, um, the masculine approach came from the fact that I was searching for external validation in everything that I did. I was trying to climb higher in the career ladder and I was pushing myself really hard to achieve one goalpost after another. So it was this constant doing, this constant action, constant wanting to be a step ahead of where I was. And eventually that exhausted me. Whereas now, and I'm not there 100% yet, but I'm learning to to be much, much more in the feminine space where you are making time for just being, for just witnessing, for taking a step back and allowing, for taking moments of pause and allowing your intuition in those moments of pause and silence to come through and guide you rather than your schedule or rather than your to-do list. But again, it is a balance because it's the masculine side that provides you structure. It provides you kind of like the, if we're talking about the river as an analogy, for example, it is the river banks. The masculine is the river banks that kind of protects the flow of the water and gives it direction in many ways. But then the water itself, the ever powerful flowing resilient uh, water is flowing freely within those structures and, and boundaries, healthy boundaries.
0: Yes, I love that analogy as well. I mean, we we can't go too far into one side or the other. If we're too far in the feminine, nothing really gets done.
1: You know? Yeah, know have been there too. <laughs> you
0: know, and if we're too far in the masculine, nothing really gets done either because it's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, you know, it's like brick wall after brick wall after brick wall after brick wall can be sometimes mm-hmm. going too much in the masculine way. It's like you feel like you're fighting the entire universe because you are actually fighting the whole universe when you're just doing it that way you got to slow down i love this um this idea of unfolding and 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 playfulness and curiosity inside that and a lot of people are afraid to do that they're afraid to let go of these regimented structures because they think if they play too much or they have fun or they get curious and they just sort of wander around a little bit that somehow they'll get really lost and things won't happen
1: hmm. well we've kind of been programmed to think that way we've we've been brought up in in um, a very male dominated very patriarchal system and uh, which is very regimented which is very much focusing on the logical and the rational mind and from a very early age onwards from the time we start going to kindergarten or school we are taught to think in very narrow-minded might not be the right term, although in scu- some schools it would be, but in very structured, and very regimented ways about the world around us. And we are not given a lot of room to explore ourselves, to explore our true essence. Of course, this varies from country to country and from school to school, we have to remember that. But in general, we are not really being taught the kinds of things that we need in life at school in terms of how do we regulate and work with our emotions how do we handle anger how do we recognize the beauty of all these emotions and how do we learn to work with these emotions in a way that really truly serves us how do we learn to find the right career that is the right thing for us not based on what our parents want or not based on what is the status quo but what our soul is telling us what our wombs are telling us that we should be doing and that we should be stepping into and do we learn at school that we really need to pause once in a while, that we need to take those breaks, that we need to give our feminine side that room to, as you say, play and chill out and, and enjoy the pleasure. Pleasure comes in very strongly here. And we are so often discouraged from experiencing pleasure as a big part of our lives. And without pleasure, hmm, life can become very, very regimented and very narrow-minded i'll use that term now
0: (laughs) yeah and it's kind of like when i was being taught how to see like as a you know a seer like from energy practice the distinction was between the hard focus like sharp focus hard versus softening so in the softening is where the where the intuition is it's in the softened vision it's in the relaxed vision it's maybe not directly at the person it's off to the side it's like there's just there's something in the space that that's not direct so it's like the same flow or the, it's just a, it's a shift in the way we want to look at things i guess and like emotions are well they've been shamed and blamed and judged and said that that's uncomfortable for me to experience so don't have them (laughs) you know like yeah and but but a big part of the experience of intuition is emotion too it's the it's the um it's like the energy that moves us is the intuition Mm -hmm. right it's the energy that flows through so e motion it's the energy in motion it's the things that move us that lead us, that guide us. It's it's the being. It's like I guess it's the more yin path, right? The more receptive path, the more being led and guided and nurtured path, versus like focusing on what you want and to take step, 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 step kind of masculine approach.
1: Absolutely, and that yin space is very much that feminine space, where where I would say magic happens, where miracles really start to happen. And the more we trust our intuition, the more we are willing to take that leap of faith or sometimes jump off a cliff, so to speak, the more we realize that we are actually being held, that we are learning to fly, that when we trust, things just start to align and fall into place.
0: And I think it's a part of that trusting is not taking it all so literally and seriously. Like...
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like we
0: give things in the masculine perspective, we give things so much great importance with all that focus and yeah. we give it all this focused intent and energy and, it, and it's sort of like we disempower ourselves by doing that. It's like we're, mm-hmm. we're transferring the energy over here Whereas with this, with the feminine approach, I feel like it's much more embodied. Like the energy stays inside the body, like your energy, your spirit, whatever, my spirit stays in here and my roots are really deep and I stay exactly where I am and I don't move from where I am. I flow, but I stay in here. You know, I don't like put all my energy out there anymore, which is exhausting Mm -hmm. as you were talking about.
1: Absolutely. And I think especially now with, this time of uncertainty that we're facing on a global level and we're in the midst of this massive transition on so many levels, it is so important to root into our bodies, to root into Mother Earth and to root into love. Because it is within our bodies that we are changing and shifting as well. So whatever is playing out in the macrocosmos is also being played out within us at the microcosmic level. And the more we work with our own energy, the more we root and ground and remember that we are energy beings in a physical body and we have this incredible connection to this multidimensional wisdom, to to galactic wisdom, to this unknown, whilst at the same time, we are very much creatures of planet Earth and... We need to be rooted in our bodies, at least at the moment before we perhaps transition into our light bodies completely. But for now, being able to hold in in the ascension energies and allow that shift to happen in a way where we're not trying to fight against it, but simply, again, just trusting, allowing and flowing with that, being in our bodies is absolutely crucial there.
0: So what are some ways that you recommend people start getting into their bodies, because this is this is an awareness that I've only had a little bit ways down the path that I could even leave my body or that I wasn't my body. I thought that at first I thought, well, there isn't anything bigger than my body, like I'm just this dense thing. And then I went to this phase where I realized I could escape it, like somehow, like get out there and move and be in my spirit and and transcend this body thing, you know, and then at some point I realized, oh, I got to get in the body. Because like, so it seemed like, how do you, how do you know where you're at? Like in that process and what, how do you even view that process? Because that was just my, my understanding of the process, but how do you view that process of getting embodied?
1: Hmm. Well, there's a number of different ways you can really get embodied. Um, I'll I'll name a few of them. But um, one would be literally just connecting with Mother Earth. So earthing as a process is a very beautiful, very concrete, very rooted way of getting into your body and doing that with the help of Mother Earth. So planting your bare feet on grass or, or soil and literally just soaking up the healing energy from Mother Earth. Breath work is another super, super important part of that. Our breath is is sacred. Our breath is incredibly healing and incredibly powerful. And most of us breathe at perhaps a fraction of the capacity that our lungs have, that our, our breathing capacity actually is all about. And through the breath, we can really go deep within our bodies and again ground and use our breath to either increase our energy or slow down our energy, or even start to build up some super so-called superhuman powers. Um, Other ways would be, meditation would be another beautiful one. Of course, there's millions of different ways to meditate. Um, Chanting. Mantras are another beautiful way. They really get you into the present moment and you're voicing out, you're speaking out or singing out. And that is very much about being in your body as well. Um, Doing different kinds of movements. I love to do Qigong myself. Sometimes yoga, but Qigong is my thing. any any kind of movement. If if uh, you prefer to go jogging, if you prefer to dance, any any way to move your body is a way for you to embody your emotions and to embody your the the energies around us as well. Um, shaking is another way to really become embodied. So there's so many different beautiful ways. Um, Happying is another one, Uh, EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques, where you're literally acknowledging the emotions that are arising for you, no matter what those emotions are. And through the acknowledgement, also then starting to release the emotional charge and get more grounded, less stressed out, uh, less anxious, and very much inside you, inside your body.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. What a great list. Yeah, all of those definitely I've experienced. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And now like one of the things that happens as we start to embody is that we face those core wounds, right? They start to, we start to become aware of those core wounds. Maybe if we were outside of our body or we were numbing or we were distancing or we were mentalizing, then we wouldn't be aware of what was going on. But as we start to embody, it comes up, right? Like we become aware of those core wounds. So talk a little bit about the core wounds that you've identified that women might be feeling in their body. So they don't, so you guys just know it's a thing. (laughs) <laughs> it's a thing. You're not crazy. It's a thing. So tell us some more about yeah. those core wounds.
1: Absolutely. So um, I work with a system that I call the five core feminine wounds. And, and these wounds are interconnected in many ways. And through the work that I've gone done, done with my clients in different parts of the world and through my own experiences as well, Um, all women carry aspects of these five core feminine wounds and again depending on our unique life and soul experiences some wounds might be manifesting more strongly than others but nevertheless we do carry them and I think it's also important to mention that um, sometimes these wounds come from our own life experiences. And this could go way back to the moment of conception, the time spent in utero, um, the moment of birth or the process of birth or early um, childhood years as well, when we literally are like sponges, just absorbing information and and learning how to behave and how to be in this world and taking on all kinds of beliefs about ourselves and the people around us. Um, But they can also be generational wounds. So it could be something that we've taken on from our maternal or paternal lineage um, something that our mothers might have experienced or grandmothers might have experienced or even further back and we carry residues of that trauma or those wounding within ourselves or it could be from the collective experiences of women all around the world as well and here we could be looking into um, history like the witch hunts for example uh, which would be all about you know in order to survive, women having to denounce each other, women having to betray each other, and so many women obviously being punished and killed for being healers, for being midwives, for speaking their truth, for standing in their power. But also, for more modern times, look at things like using rape as a weapon of war, for example, or um, the incredible statistics around domestic violence all around the world, for example. And, and these leave residual energies in the field, in the matrix that we are absorbing into our, ourselves as well. So the wounds that I specifically work with are the mother wound, the sister wound, the body wound, the menstruation wound, and the womb wound, wound. And I'll, I'll mention just briefly about what those wounds are about. So with the mother wound, I focus specifically on our relationships with our own mothers, and how that relationship has affected us and, uh-huh. and how it's brought us up and the kind of beliefs we've taken on from that. Whether our mothers were super loving and super protective or distant, passive aggressive, uh, you name it. There's different um, relational aspects there that we would look into when, when we work together. Um, but then we also look at experiences of motherhood. So if you are a mother, how is your relationship to your own children? How was the birth process of those children? Um, Have you perhaps experienced the early loss of a child, whether it's through early death or miscarriage or abortion? Or do you really want to become a mother and cannot for whatever reason? Or do you not want to become a mother in a paradigm where we are still kind of being pushed towards being mothers in many countries and many societies? The sister wound, again, is about how us women relate to each other and the fact that we tend to, rather than support each other and lift each other up, there's a lot of bringing and tearing each other down. There's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of um, bitching, so to speak. And that's stemming from experiences like the witch hunts uh, that I mentioned earlier as well. Um, The body wound then is really about on the one hand it's about our body image so how do we treat and talk to our bodies how do we view our own bodies and what kind of respect do we give our bodies or do we hate and loathe our bodies and constantly criticize them trying to push them into a very very narrow mold of beauty or attractiveness which is being blasted at us every single day through social media and um, the tv and so on Um, but it's also very much about the fact that over centuries, over hundreds of years, our bodies have been shamed because we menstruate, because we bleed, because um, our our, um, most feminine parts of our bodies, our breasts, our vaginas, our vulvas, have been objectified. Pornography steps in very strongly here. And the most natural of processes for women, pregnancy and childbirth, have been medicalized to a crazy extent. This is not to say that medical intervention isn't sometimes absolutely necessary, but we've kind of been made to believe that our bodies don't know what they're doing when we fall pregnant or are giving birth. And the menstruation wound then again, looks at how over time menstruation that in the ancient times was recognized as sacred and our menstrual blood, which was also recognized as sacred and, and seen to contain healing powers, Um, was over time almost demonized and in some countries women who are bleeding are not allowed to enter holy spaces for example and for us in the western world we are often taught to think that our menstruation is a nuisance if not a curse something that we have to live with um, something that we need to hide and something that we really just kind of stray away from in terms of having a deep, beautiful, sacred relationship with. And I also work with menarche, which is the very first experience of menstruation. And for a lot of women, that experience wasn't always very nice. It could have been filled with a shame or or embarrassment um, and not often with a lot of support. And then finally, sorry, I'm giving you a whole load of all this, but the the womb wound um, then really focuses on our sacred womb spaces. Again, many of us are completely disconnected from our wombs, even if we might be mothers. And we have forgotten or we have been led to forget that our womb spaces are actually sacred cauldrons of incredible wisdom and power that contain healing, healing uh, opportunities, healing capacity, healing powers, they are, they are gateways to multidimensional wisdom. And the more we work with our womb spaces, the more we start to reclaim our power, the more we start to reclaim that ancient feminine wisdom that is currently arising, that is currently being ushered in with the new paradigm, with the new Aquarian era.
0: God, gorgeous, like such a great description of the whole spectrum of embracing your divine feminine, your sacred feminine in your vessel, in your body. Um, there's mm-hmm. so much ground for that everywhere. Like each one of those topics is like a whole inquiry in and of itself with many yeah. facets. And it's, it's like the, um, I feel like all of us that came in as women and or as mothers in this lifetime, we chose to be vessels for healing these um, patterns that have got been going on for thousands of years, demoralizing and desecrating the feminine vessel. We we chose to come into these fem- feminine vessels and like, you know, sort of clean the sanctuary like with our <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna, mm. we're gonna clean the temple, we're gonna clean the temple. And make it shiny and new and beautiful and, you know, and we're going to like take all this that's happened and make it gold. So like it's like an alchemization process too, you know, because this isn't like a Mm -hmm. victim mentality, right? Like this is like I feel the depth and the magnitude of the of the violations and the desecration that's happened. And I can take all of that within my own Mm -hmm. vessel and I can alchemize it with love and I can turn it into gold. So I am. So it's not about like saying um, none of that past stuff happened or, um, you know, I didn't ever think about my body that way or I didn't um, shame myself or whatever it was. It's not that that didn't happen. It's that it's that there's like a depth of understanding about the experience, the shadow and the light and bringing it all together and making that an even more beautiful temple in the integration of that. Right. I mean, so what are your perspectives on what I just said?
1: Look at- no, absolutely, I, I I agree with you hundred percent. I keep looking at those beautiful butterflies behind your head, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's what I you know compare it to. You know, it is it is our time to really now come out of that cocoon that we have kind of been hidden inside or hiding inside for a very very long time, and and it's time for us for us to really spread our wings mm. and to heal these wounds for ourselves and for others with deep deep compassion with deep understanding of the history of all the trauma of all the wounding of everything that has happened and in a very beautiful again feminine flowing way allowing for all of that to rise to the surface for us to fully feel that and when we fully feel it we are then able to start to heal it, start to transform it and one layer at a time, or I like to say one womb at a time, we are healing and we are lifting each other up.
0: Yeah, I I've to me it's such a vulnerable process because those wounds that we experience are painful. And there's a way in which the tendency might be to like, well, I just want to buy, I want to get away from that. I just want to make that my past. I don't want to bring that into the future, but there's another way of embracing it and bringing it in. And like, it's like the big embrace over the whole thing that ever happened to me and my lineage and and taking it as part of the medicine. Mm. You know, it's like, if it was medicine, what medicine is that?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. The gift, the the gifts and the treasures in all of that. And many of us who are, who have chosen to be born on planet earth at these times are in many ways, lineage breakers. We are changing things within our lineages. We are changing things for the collective because we now have the courage and we have the tenacity to go through that process of facing those wounds, of facing that trauma and working with it. And that is not to say that working with that kind of trauma is always a very long-winded, a hugely painful process, not necessarily at all. And I think with the changing energies, we are seeing that these healing processes can happen really, really quickly now as well. And these layers can be shed very quickly as well. And in a way going through that pain is also part of, of the emergence. It's, it's it's like the birth process, the birth itself can be painful, it doesn't have to be, but it can be a bit of a painful or an uncomfortable process, and I think our planet Earth is in that process at the moment as well, and that's why we're seeing all this confusion, and all this division and polarity all around us, and all this fear-mongering, and all this blaming, and people dividing into two different camps, and finger-pointing, and... I think that is the collective expressing itself that is the collective rebirthing in a way that could be less painful but because a pretty big part of humanity on our planet at the moment hasn't quite reached that level yet where we could hold the pain together and work through this in a more flowing in a more feminine way we're kind of having to go through this slightly more painful birth canal
0: yeah i think that um it is definitely, like you said, it's not a terrible process. Like it doesn't have to take your whole lifetime because we have these new tools. Now we have, we have access to ancient, they're not really new tools, but they're ancient wisdom that is now resurfaced to support us in clearing and transmuting energies and moving through it. So they're, so only really now the thing that causes suffering would be resistance to mm-hmm. the healing and, and this is a piece that I, I actually have a friend who said something about this that really caught my attention, which was that she, you know, she said, well, oh, i don't I don't want to let go of this pain because that's the pain of my ancestors and somehow in holding on to this pain, I'm honoring what my ancestors mm-hmm. went through, and it motivates me to keep moving. And I really thought about that and i I feel I understand that perspective, but also I feel that, It's like, if I take that perspective into my own life and I apply it in just what I've experienced, that would be me sort of like always holding or trying to hold like the the feet of people in the past who perpetrated against me to the fire somehow. And that's never worked out for me very well um, because I found that people don't necessarily Contemplate things the way that I do because I'm in my vessel and I have my curriculum, and the things that I'm contemplating and noticing and processing are in a different space than some of other people I've been in contact with. They might not even see things through the same lens as me or have the same concerns. So I feel like it's sort of that's sort of deflecting one's soul's curriculum out there in the world and expecting somebody else to change in order for you to claim your soul's curriculum. And I think it's it's definitely hard when a lot of unjust things have been happening. It's hard to have this idea that this is my curriculum and I'm going to own this fully. That's a hard, that's a tall one for sure. But I do feel like we have souls on the planet that that came in and agreed to be that vessel for that kind of transformation.
1: Mm, absolutely. And we also have souls on our planet who are here to do exactly the opposite, to, to really reveal to us. The, the the shadow and the light. That's how I feel. That's how I look at it. And again, I think it goes back to the theme of forgiveness again, especially with the ancestral healing. Um, again, not forgetting what has happened and honoring what happened to our ancestors. But isn't there a possibility that our ancestors are also looking for healing? Mm-hmm. And if we are the lineage breakers, if we are the ones who are willing to go through that healing process, willing to face those wounds that are within our own cells and bodies as well, because they are our lineage. We are supporting our ancestors to heal as well. And just based on my own experience of working with ancestral wounds for myself and with my clients, it it is such a humbling experience to be able to connect with our ancestors and to be able to greet it by our ancestors and feel their incredible gratitude and incredible love when we work with something that they have gone through and something that they might not have been able to process in their lifetime and have perhaps been waiting for centuries for you to come along and do the healing.
0: Yes, I've experienced the same gratitude, love and joy from my ancestors in my willingness to open my vessel as a portal for healing these patterns, um, and these traumas that were unhealed, um, you know, I, primarily in medicine ceremony, I'll, you know, occasionally I'll open up an hour or two of that ceremony just for the use of that. And the thing I realize is, is it's an active service, but it's also for me because I'm living in the body that's created from the history of all those traumas, right? So yeah, like, absolutely. if I want my experience to be more joyful, then I need to, be willing to have my DNA healed, which means I need to commit to the work to do the healing and open myself. And, and yeah, so I'm going to shake, shudder and probably puke, you know, but it's going to be okay It'll be over in a couple of hours. And then, you know, think about like the thousands of lifetimes of stuff that's being cleared Mm -hmm. in that couple of hours when, you know, I know from my personal experience before I found this path, which I would call the spirit path before I woke up to God source creator, um, trying to solve a problem can take decades and you still don't get anywhere with Mm. it without God, you know, like whatever your word is for that. But um, Mm. trying to do it without God is really hard. Mm. And now we have these tools and we have this awakening. And once we remember our divine spirit, it's so much easier, we can just chunk through it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it's also, for me, it's always an important reminder of the fact that we are never alone. We might feel like we're alone. Mm. We might feel super isolated, especially in these times. But we are not because we have the divine. We have the spirit. We have our ancestors. We have our guides who are all rooting for us. They are all rooting for us and wanting us to expand and emerge and to, to really accomplish our sole purpose in this lifetime.
0: I have to say, like, just speaking as a mom and thinking about, let's say I have a granddaughter down the line somewhere, I'd be sitting here looking at her going, I don't want her to go through what I went through mm-hmm. just to honor me. I want you to be free to enjoy your life. I want you to be free to, to reap the benefits of being alive and the prosperity and the joy of being awake on the planet. I don't want you to go through what I went through, the suffering that I went through to honor me. That'd be the last thing I want. I want you to be free. So I just think um, maybe it's just something to consider if anybody out there mm. who's thinking they're honoring their ancestors by staying in pain. Maybe maybe your ancestors want something different for you and a good conversation might clear that up. What do you think, Hmm,
1: No, absolutely. And it's, it's beautiful that you brought in the future generations as well, because it really is true. I think it's Northrop who who coined this quote that when a woman heals herself, she heals those who came before her and she heals those who come after her. And again, being a lineage breaker, saying the buck stops here is an incredible service. It's an incredible offer in many ways to humanity and to your own lineage.
0: It certainly is. Ah, and it takes a couple generations to do it several generations I can look back through my ancestry and I can see examples of my mother and my grandmother of like women who who worked to to break the versions of the patterns mm-hmm. that they were contending with. And each one that's broken those those stages and broke those patterns lightened the load for the next generation. So, you know, we're in a pivot, and it's a it's a generational pivot. It's going to take a few generations to pivot all the way I believe. And then we'll be in a new conversation, which is going to be pretty awesome. And I'm glad I'm going to be here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been so awesome having you on the show, Emmy. Now I know that if people want to find out more about you, they can certainly check out your podcast. Again, that's sacred feminine power. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to my interview on sacred feminine powers. You guys can hear our conversation over there. And then you have a free gift, right? It's called the Five Core Feminine Wounds ebook.
1: Yeah, it's Healing the Five Core Feminine Wounds. And it basically is a little summary of, of the Five Core Feminine Wounds. And uh, you're welcome to hop on over to my website at uh, femininerevere.com and download it from there. It'll be on the home, home page
0: beautiful. So everybody, you know, definitely go do that. It's a free gift. Go check it out. If you're interested in anything that, that we talked about, you're obviously are because you were here all the way to the end. So thank you. Um, so I'm just gonna encourage everybody now. This is the time I ask you to leave a review um, wherever you found us, iTunes, YouTube, um, wherever you found us. Leave us a review, give us uh, a comment or two, give us a like. It just helps the engines of search to know that this is important to search for. So uh, we're gonna give kisses now. You wanna give me help me give kisses to everybody, Emmy? We're just gonna Absolutely. give air kisses. Okay, here they come. <laughs> we love you guys so much. Thank you for staying all the way to the end. And here's your kisses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We love you. Have a great week, Thank everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank Emmy, you. for being on this show. Okay, bye Thank for now, so everybody. Much. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul Nectar Show. Awaken away. Soul Nectar Show. Take a sip from the chip of Nectar. I'm so, so, so excited sure.